0: Hour number two of Overtime, Fan Run Radio. It's Jake Miller, alongside Davis Rangy, Matthew Catlin. Oh, man. Superintendent's Revenge turns golf course into an obstacle course. A Baltimore golf course celebrated the end of the winter season with its annual Superintendent's Revenge Scramble, which turns the course into an obstacle course for golfers and the balls. The Saturday event... At Mount Pleasant Golf Course saw golfers dealing with unusual fairway and green hazards, including giant box fans, tractors, wooden pallets, garden hoses, hay bales, and more. Quote, nasty pin placement stuff you normally try to avoid. We give them the green light to go ahead and put a couple of them on the slopes. Golf Course's website states the goal of the superintendent's revenge scramble is to make the day, quote, interesting and fun for the grounds, staff, staff and players alike. Imagine you go to a golf course. You go to tee it up on hole one. You got your nice pants on. Got your favorite polo. Most comfortable to play golf in. Got the spikes out. You tee it up on one. You look down the fairway, and you see a tractor, hay bales, and wooden pallets. What are you doing? Walking off that
1: course. Shooting
0: over it. Correct answer. Yep. Matthew just goes to the house. Yep. Just play regular golf, man.
2: Can't let an obstacle get in your way, man. Just got to drive over it.
0: Just drive the golf cart over it. Just run it right into the wooden pallets. Y'all ever seen where they play night golf in some places? No. I know, night skiing. Uh, no, like they, I forgot where this was. It's somewhere in the Middle East, I think. But they light the course up. You play with neon golf balls, and you get to play night golf.
2: Hmm. Hopefully I don't go in the woods. You're screwed.
0: How do you think? I've seen a bunch of people get drunk golfing during the day. I'm one of them. Could you imagine going on a drinking fest all day and then going to play golf at 9 o'clock at night? Ever.
1: Absolutely not, no. Especially if you're if you, especially if you drinking, playing golf in the middle of the summer, and you have no energy. I
0: oh, don't know, you could. You get a little bit more ambition once you get a few beers in you.
1: Yeah, but sun, that sun's beating on you, like 95-degree weather. That's
0: why you go at night.
1: Well, your point was to do it all day and then all
0: night. Well, sitting in an air-conditioned house all day, get you an Uber over the golf course, light it up. I need a little nap in between. Yeah. Another, <laughs> a little, another news. A little cat nap. Oh man, power nap is what we used to call them. But in other news, in order to go to the Orange and White game this year, you must pay five whole dollars to go to that game. What well, used to be free, now we have the Vol for lifers complaining that pay five dollars to watch the Orange and White game. Thoughts.
2: I think is like uh I don't care. I, yeah, I don't care either. But um once you're in I've never been to a spring game, but once you're in there yeah. you buy concessions and other things, right? Probably gonna buy some gear. Yeah,
1: you're gonna spend more than five dollars. Yeah, you're gonna spend already. more than five
2: dollars yeah. as it is when you go buying yeah. popcorn, drink, hot dogs, beer, whatever it is. Probably get sucked into going to the team store and getting some gear also.
0: Tip and and in all that.
1: Yep.
2: Gotta uh, tip the uh beer in high school J V wrestling team. <laughs>
0: But, um, yeah, I've been to a few orange and white games in my life. I think I've been to a total of three, one when I was little and then one um, right after I got back from basic training in AIT because I just need to experience football without watching it on television. Need needed to get out of the house, so I went. It was the biggest waste of time. It was not worth my time to drive over to the stadium. It was not worth my time to sit there and watch it because you don't get anything out of those games. We all thought Harrison Bailey was going to be the starting quarterback when he got in this orange and white game with the gray. And then, of course, Brian Mauer was still on the team. He threw some good balls around, hitting hooker. Didn't actually look good, yeah, in the orange and white game when he first stepped on campus. It was Harrison Bailey that had the best day. Well, that tells
1: you a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we kind of yeah. Spring game doesn't mean anything. Like we literally just dismissed Hooker in that spring game. Didn't even think of him, and now he's going down as one of the greatest Tennessee quarterbacks of all time.
0: Think about all the hell that Heupel got for not starting Harrison Bailey in year one. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. There's a reason he didn't get the starting job under not only one coach, but two coaches. There's a reason for that. Now we know that reason. Hennon Hooker was the best option. We know that. At the time, Joe Milton might have been the best. But then Hennon Hooker showed that he could lead this team to heights that it hasn't seen in over 20 years. He did that.
2: You're either a gamer or you're not. Joe Milton was not a gamer that year. No. And Hooker definitely was. Joe Milton may, may. I'm not convinced yet. Maybe a gamer now. I'm gonna hold my breath and wait till this year. But uh, I don't. I, what do you do if Joe Milton goes out there against Virginia and starts overthrowing again? Then what are you doing? Throwing Nico in game one?
0: Better hope that number eight's ready to go.
2: Yep. We we get through Virginia and he's overthrowing everybody and we're down or we're in a close game with Virginia. I'm I'm losing my mind.
0: Does it bother you that everyone's wearing pajamas to these camps now?
2: Nico wore them like every time.
1: Uh, I mean, just, I guess they're uh, playing. Just hoop or yeah, just, just, just play. Just playing. what your cup tool in? I mean, it doesn't matter. Pajama pants don't affect the way he throws
0: a ball.
2: I, I don't know. I. How. How I don't know how accurate it is to judge based off of a seven on seven. No, no, yeah.
0: no, t- no, no joke. I mean, that's the thing is, yeah. how do you judge on a seven on seven no contact camp? There's no
2: pass rush. Yeah. You're not evading defenders. You're not. You're not in a game, so you can't. You can't. I, I promise you, you can't simulate in an empty turf field playing seven on seven in California, or wherever it was, to 102,000 people screaming at you. Yeah, and they do stay. You can't. No, it's impossible.
0: No, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. And some guys, and I know a few people that were this way, like they would be really good during practice nope. without the pads. But as soon as you put the pads on, their entire dynamic changed. Like especially receivers, like running backs didn't affect them too much. Receivers, like we had the bulky pads back in the day. Well, it's they had they, to adjust how they caught the ball.
1: Well, yeah, because they knew they, they were going to get hit now. No.
2: Nope. I remember them days, man. Everybody was just so lax when there's no pads on. And the second we get pads on, the whole intensity changes.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like everyone wants to hit. Everyone wants to hit you as hard as they can during practice. God, like, God, save that for the game. Like, oh, yeah. we're not trying to kill each other during practice. Nobody needs to buckle a knee or rip their shoulder out of place during practice we're not even playing the game. Let's save that for when we're actually playing somebody.
1: Let's not get CTE doing practice.
0: Yeah.
2: You you remember the uh, it's uh, it's Oklahoma but it's you got the two you
0: got the two linemen two linemen backer and a running back yeah yeah, yeah. exactly
2: exactly so during this is going on in my freshman year of high school we were doing spring it was like spring practice I forgot the coach's name it was before Adams um, Walters yeah Walters oh, so, yeah because
1: uh, no yeah
2: some white guy old white guy um yeah, anyways, Walters, yeah Anyway, so I've been doing pretty decent spring practice without the pads and then they put us in pads and. Uh, and I was the running back where I have never played running back in my life. I've just been a little receiver. I played center my whole life too. But then we got through the drill and I just basically I get rid of this defender. I don't even like he doesn't touch me. And this dude comes over and grabs me by the face mash, just like uh Pruitt did He's like, You gotta hit the guy. I'm like, bro, I, I juked him out. Like he's not I don't know, it's just the whole thing is just
0: You know, I got chewed out for different. that once. Yeah,
2: exactly. I, I juke
0: the guy out, which is what you're going to do during a game. Yep. You practice how you play. Unless you're gonna truck him like Derrick Henry usually did in
1: high school. I mean, let's be
2: real here, man. I'm not the biggest guy in the room, so I'm not obviously. I'm not. I'm not Derrick Henry. Yeah. I'm not gonna truck somebody unless I absolutely have to. Yeah. To get to the goal line or first down marker.
0: (laughs) I think I only trucked one guy during that drill.
2: Man, I've gotten hit so hard before. I woke up. I didn't wake up, but I opened my eyes and everything was like black and white, and then rainbows, and then.
1: Uh, oh, you saw, he saw Jeff Gordon, man! I saw stars, oh, and then, you, saw, you saw the, the little yeah, and, yeah, I literally did. <laughs> and my whole left... You saw the Twitter bird just <laughs> going around and around.
2: I couldn't feel my arm from like my shoulder to my like hand. I could move it, but I couldn't feel it. And they said Stinger, but I didn't come out of the game. My mom told me, "You're good." <sighs>
0: there it is. So- <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so the weird thing about this, I do this drill as a quarterback.
1: Oklahoma's a quarterback.
0: Yes. That's smart.
1: That's a, that's a great idea. Yep.
0: Oh, it did not end well. I assume it did not. Oh, dude, I felt like my head was just scrambled eggs.
3: Nope.
0: I was like, nope. Um, nope. I'm not doing this anymore. Coach like, okay, yeah, we're never going to make you dr- do that drill again. Go set up the dummy and go throw at it. I'm like, all right, cool. That's what I did. Every time they did Oklahoma I'd set up the tackle dummy, I'd just throw at
1: it. I remember I remember one football practice I was there. I was the manager at this time, so I wasn't getting hit, but I was there during practice and they were doing goal line drill. It was J V versus Varsity. And I will never forget this. Terrible idea. They pitched it to the running back and the play before this running back like made a move on a senior and like got in his face and started talking to him. Next play this middle linebacker hits this guy so hard he tore his ACL. Yeah, and that guy never came back to the high school.
0: I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> he didn't even come back to school. Did I? Did I hear that right? He never even came back to school. Yeah. So we had a guy that played tennis with us. It's funny you mentioned that because we. <laughs> We had this guy that we played tennis with. He played uh, freshman and sophomore year. While well, our junior year rolls around, this guy has never played tennis in his life. Shows up. And we're doing uh, practice for seeding. It's like competing against each other to see who's going to be the one seed, the two seed, the three seed. And he was one of my best friends. We always alternated one, two, and three with our other friend. And this guy comes on the team and never played a day in his life and beats him.
2: Yeah, I remember uh, same same time, ninth grade, freshman year, spring practice. Uh, we played against White Station, I think, in a seven on seven game uh, against uh, Dylan, Dylan Mitchell, Mitchell who yeah. was a high four, low five. Sorry, he went to Oregon, ended up playing for the Vikings. But I remember the coach like, "Yeah, this guy isn't that good. Like, just press him. Like, f- <laughs> yeah, just just play press coverage. Like, don't worry about it. Just treat him like any other receiver. He ends up having like three hundred yards." <laughs> <laughs> three touchdowns. Yeah, he wasn't even trying either. It
0: was,
1: was. This was also in the first half, by the
0: way.
2: Yeah, and they pulled him in the second half.
0: Yeah, let's get Polish Joe in here next. Let's see what this is all about. What's up, Polish Joe? Hey guys, how's everyone doing? Good, man. Uh, nice to hear from you.
3: I want to uh, give my support to you, gentlemen. About uh, support to my good old friend Roger. Yes, sir. Um, I know that he loved you guys and it wasn't just the Basilius show. um, And he really respected and loved your friendship, okay?
0: Appreciate that, man. Roger was a a staple caller to this show. You know, every time the phone would ring at 745, we knew who it was and I couldn't wait to talk to him. I loved Roger to death.
3: Can I tell you the best quick story about me and Rod.
0: Oh, please. I already heard the whitewater rafting story. That one was hilarious. I'd never heard that story in my life, and I'm sitting there at his funeral during the receiving of friends trying not to laugh because this is no, so but incredible.
3: This, I, I think this is a classic, okay? What you got? So, Basilio did a uh, – he was doing a show the Friday before the Alabama uh-huh. football game at Calhoun. And all week I was calling Roger because he called me all the time. I called him, and I said, look, he had this Butch Jones football, autographed football. And I said, look. Oh, I
0: bet Tony got it for him too.
3: Yeah, he, he had it. And all week I was telling him, hey, I'm bringing you this Calhoun's on the river. I'm making it quick. But we're gonna you're going to punt that football <laughs> in the river like an exorcism to hand it off to Hypo okay so I pull all week all week so I pull into his house about 30 minutes before Tony's show and I'm picking him up and he's like no Polly he calls me Polly yeah so he gets in my car and I say hey Rod you know we got 15 minutes I said you're forgetting something and he says oh no Polly.
0: appreciate the phone call Polish Joe um So I think I actually heard this story. It's like they were trying to get Roger to bring the football to punt it into the Tennessee River. And Roger wouldn't give up that football. He refused to give up his Butch Jones-signed football. That was the plan. They were going to punt the ball into the Tennessee River and rid us of the curse. And as Phil alluded to in his call last week, Rodge proceeded to eat all the chicken tenders that he could. Man. Hmm. Yeah. He's uh,
2: definitely supported the coaches till the very end. I don't think sure. he
0: ever said a negative thing about any of them.
2: Nope. Even though they're all terrible.
0: Yep. Couldn't get through to Rodge, though. You don't know that. That ball ain't round. You don't know that. Let's turn into one of Russell's catchphrases. You don't know that. That ball ain't round. Hmm. He's right. Football's not round.
2: Mm-hmm. I was lost. In my
0: what? I'm talking about basketball, football. No, nah, football. That ball ain't round. Hmm. Stay with us. John Dunn of the All Ball calling Show and All Ball Podcast joins us next right here on Fan Run Radio. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio. Pleased to be joined by John Dunn, the All Ball Show. John, what's up, buddy?
4: Hey, gentlemen. How y'all doing this evening?
0: Doing pretty good, man. Getting a little hungry. I've uh, not had food since about 11 o'clock today when I had a gas station egg roll. I'm getting a little hungry in here.
4: I got a roast in the crock pot if you want to come on up.
0: Oh, man. I'm tempting it right now. (laughs) Oh, man. John, um... Not the end of the season that Tennessee wanted. Last ten games, they end up four and six with a almost double digit loss to Auburn, of course, Tennessee the day before the game was a one and a half point favorite. Before tip off, Auburn turned into a four and a half point favorite. And of course, Auburn covers the spread. Auburn wins the game. And really, I don't think anyone was surprised at the outcome of this game, considering what's happened you know, in the past 10 games this season?
4: Yeah, I think, I don't think this game is a surprise to many people. It's been, you know, ebbs and flows throughout the last 10 games. And more importantly, you know, you lose the Kai Ziegler, uh, which is, you know, he's the mitochondria of the, uh, of this team. He's, he's the power source, you know, he's the guy that makes it go. So that in and of itself is a, is a huge blow. Um, but uh, just the ups and downs of the last 10 games, I don't think anybody was surprised by the Auburn outcome. However, I think many people, myself included, would rather take the lumps prior to tournament time, as opposed to in the tournament. Now, the SEC tournament—that's neither here nor there, whatever. I'm talking NCAA tournament. So, right. you know, it's, it's right around the corner now. The SEC tournament, you know, coming up this week. So, uh, we'll we'll see how things play out.
0: Absolutely, and of course, Tennessee going to play the winner of Ole Miss and South Carolina on Thursday. John, where do you see Tennessee? ending up in the SEC tournament because right now I'm of the assumption that we could make it to Saturday, but I do not think that we'll make it to Sunday. And I think, Davis, you had said pretty much the same thing. It's like you're going to make it to Saturday, yeah, I think, but you will not make it to Sunday.
2: Yeah, I would be I, – I kind of expect Saturday, but I don't expect Sunday at all.
0: So I really like the path that's laid out. I'd rather
4: had the three seed and been on that side of the bracket. However, on the lower end of the bracket, you've got two teams that are getting hot at the right time and Texas and Hammond. Kentucky. So I'm excited to see who comes out of that side of those two. I think it'll be A&M myself. Um, but that being said, I do like Tennessee's path uh, for the first two games, at least playing familiar opponents. Now, whether they play South Carolina or Ole Miss, I feel extremely comfortable about those games, especially South Carolina. I think Ole Miss will move on. Um, but between those two, you know, it's a familiar opponent. Tennessee's handled business earlier this season. So you move on and play Missouri. If you win that game who beat you on a last second shot earlier this season um, Which that's gonna you know leave a sour taste in their mouth So I think they'll come out ready to play and then that leads you to the inevitable matchup with Alabama So that right there That will be the matchup to watch if Tennessee does you know, of course make it that far, but I don't know, right there. I'm, I'm about with you guys. I don't see them beating Alabama if they do uh, square up against them again. So I, I just, I'd, I'd say that's probably where they're going to end it right there against Alabama if they do make it past, you know, either Ole Miss, Missouri, and then on to Alabama. So that's probably about as far as i take taking right there. If I was a betting man, uh, is, is that 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 game?
0: Absolutely. And John, earlier in the year, and you're going to remember these arguments very well because something circulated saying that this could be the best Tennessee team ever. And the first thing that everyone, you know, that watches the game of basketball did was compare it to the 2019 team with Grant and Admiral. I did a little bit of research and, you know, I'd said for a few weeks now that, you know, Rick Barnes has made it just as far as Konzo Martin did at mm-hmm. Tennessee. And that's the sweet 16. And, I of course, this team back in 2014, they were a little bit more top-heavy with talent. Jordan McRae was averaging 18.7, uh, 3.5, and 2.5. Jarnell, 15.1, 10.6, and 2. Josh Richardson, 10.3, 2.9, and 1.5. All three of those guys, two of which had a cup of coffee in the NBA, but they still got the contract. Josh Richardson has been a mainstay, kind of been a journeyman in the NBA. But then when you look at the team stats, and I'll read these off to you, this year's team, Points for 71.9, ranks 182nd in the country. That team, 72.2, 132nd in the country. So a three tenths of a point difference. Points against this year's team, 57.5, third in the country. That team, 61.7, 18th in the country. Three point percentage, exactly the same at 32. Field goal percentage, this team, 43%. That team, 51%. Free throw percentage, 70 this year, 71 that year. Their SEC record, 11 and 7 for both teams. This team, of course, 22 and 9, 4 and 6 in their last 10. That team, regular season, 20 and 11, 6 and 4 in their last 10. So I think we finally found the perfect comparison to this team. And it was a team that Tennessee like we didn't have a lot of hope in. It's like, okay, we're going to beat Iowa in the play-in game because that's who decided I think was the 11 seed. And then Duke somehow gets beat by Mercer, so then we beat Mercer. We're in the Sweet 16 and very well could have made an Elite Eight. Do you see that kind of turnaround for this team? Do you think they can make a run when nobody's expecting them to make a run? Or have they flamed out? Because you just mentioned Zakai Ziegler, who was the spark to that offense. We don't have that anymore. What do you sure. see happening?
4: So you highlighted a very interesting point, and I think it's important to note this: if Tennessee makes the Sweet 16 this year, you look at where they started before the season and the expectations on the hype; they would be underachieving. Whereas the team with Conzo Martin was vastly overachieved and could have, like you said, potentially, barring an absolutely terrible call, could have made an Elite Eight. Um, but the the main difference that I look at the stats they tell the tale. There are some very similar stats, but you look at how the team was built compared to how this team is built. Jarnell Stokes was a grown man. Like you said, didn't spend a whole lot of time in the NBA, but he was a grown man.
0: Oh, don't forget uh, Jaron Mayman either, 9.7, 8.1, yeah. and yeah. 1. And
4: I was just about to say that. And then you had Maiman as well, who was an absolute dog. You had two guys on the interior. Yeah, Tennessee has size now, but they don't have that dog mentality. Those guys, one of them, and I hate to keep bringing his name, Euros, you know, I mean, he talked a lot but he's backed it up maybe two or three times this year. He's averaging 5.1,
0: 3.5, and .8.
4: Exactly. You never had to worry about that with Maimon or Stokes. Both of those guys were good for, you know, just beating and banging all game. Uh, They were good for rebounds. They were good for inside buckets when you needed one. That team didn't necessarily have the type of scoring drafts that we had either uh, with this team because they had guards that were willing to attack. You know, you just highlighted them. Um, Guys that were willing to attack the cup and get to the free throw line, do whatever it took to get a bucket. So, That's the main difference, I think, is the individual. You know, like you said, it was loaded with talent back then. It's loaded with talent now, in my opinion. Um, You've got plenty of talent now to do everything that needs to be done. This team is just as good as anybody else. I've seen them play this year as spurs to where they look like the best team in the country. Now I've seen them play games to where they look like they're in the bottom half of the SEC. So it just depends on what team you get with Tennessee. But as far as the SEC tournament goes, man, like I said, Alabama is as far as I see them making it. But the, the comparison between this team and the Conzo Martin team is, I think it's easier to contrast, like I said, that this team would be underachieving with a Sweet 16 appearance, especially given where they started preseason. Uh, and Conzo Martin's team vastly overachieved with that Sweet 16 appearance. So, you know, I, honestly, I think it's going to take an elite eight appearance to really cool off the, the Rick Barnes has lost the talk. Uh, but I don't see that happening this year, unfortunately. Losing Ziegler was a big one. Just having no, just dominating interior presence is going to hurt Tennessee. Come tournament time, you look at the teams that make a deep tournament run. They've all got a strong interior presence, and I've been preaching that all year long. And it seems like when they go to the interior, they're extremely successful, and then they get away from it. I don't understand. You'll never convince me why they do that. But I mean, when you've got two two near seven, you've got one seven footer and one near seven foot, and then you've got Tobey Walker, who I can't even describe how strong he is. Use them, you know. I just—they're getting mm-hmm. away from from basketball, and I don't like that.
0: No, they're not. They're not playing the type of ball that we should be playing. I mean, let's call that like it is. Um,
4: it, it, it's going to take some old-school basketball. And you think and, – and I love Rick Barnes. You have heard me thousands of – millions maybe even times saying how much I love this man. I still do. I don't want him to go. I don't want fire. want him to retire from Tennessee on a high note. But it's going to take some old-school basketball, some, some baby hooks off the glass, anything. Something on the interior – crowd the paint do anything you've got to do to score on the inside you're going five six minutes without a bucket that's what killed you the other night
3: mm-hmm.
4: against Auburn I mean that scoring drought the, the, the game was in hand Tennessee was doing taking care of business the first half the game was it was, you know doing its thing back and forth Tennessee had an opportunity to pull away and they chose not to do it uh they just got away from from the interior game I don't know man I don't know if it's if, if it's a combination of, of lack of skill lack of strength I don't know what it is but if I'm if I'm Rick Barnes, Tobey Awaka started every single game for me on the inside.
0: And that seems like it could be, you know, something we look at and be like, okay, this is our guy going forward. He's going to be that big man. And him, and when JP gets here next year, that can help us make that run because we finally have a dominant big man. And then you have another guy in Tobey Awaka that can back it up, and he might even be that guy. It might be flip-flopped. I might be, you know, completely skewed here. But jumping over to the NBA um, – Of course, Memphis Grizzlies point guard, John Morant, has found himself. And Davis, Matthew, you all have seen a lot more of this than what I have. There are multiple stories that have come out. Something that they knew about that nobody else was even thinking about was what happened at his house last year when he gets in a fight with I think he was a 17-year-old, correct?
2: 17-year-old, yep. They're uh, playing in his backyard, but <clears throat> no, nah, man, Josh. seriously, they have a culture problem. It all starts with him. He needs to get his act under control. You're a grown man. You're 23 years old. He needs to act like it. you're a franchise player. You got a shoe deal. You're one of the superstars of the NBA. You've made it out, man. You've, you've made it. There's no reason to be acting the way you are, and his dad just goes along with it, and the organization just pushes yep. it along because – you know, they're scared if you push them too much, you're a small market team, he's going to request a trade-out.
1: Yeah, there's there's no reason you should sit here and Memphis media of any type be condoning this or say that uh, everything's fine, that his actions aren't that bad or what he's doing is not that bad. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that you can't recognize that this guy's a 23-year-old grown man. and About to
0: make $231 million yes. over the next four years. Yeah,
1: the fact that his dad cannot cannot sit there and – talk to him about how the decision he's making or wrong is
0: utterly mind-boggling to I me. Mean, well, I mean, the point that I'm trying to make here is you've got a chance at generational wealth and you're throwing it away.
2: Well, real quick, what, what other organization in the entire NBA, any sports in general, lets a player's parent sit front on court side every single game with his friends, talk crap, act a fool, get hammered, and just don't, like, what organization allows that?
4: No, no, it's I ridiculous. Can think of it
2: it's from None, top to
4: bottom. It, there's a problem with culture today. It's not just in the NBA. It's not just in the NFL. It's culture. And, and that type of behavior perpetuates that culture. You know, you're a role model. A lot of kids look up to you. I didn't even realize how much my own son, my oldest son, looked up to a lot of these NBA guys the other day. We were shooting little basketball with my youngest, and, he was saying, Curry, you know, throwing three-pointers up. And I'm like, you you like Seth Curry, huh? And I was like, you ever hear Ray Allen? You know, I started talking about the old heads a little bit. But, um, you know, I, you're a role model. You've got a chance to, like you said, take generational wealth. I will never understand guys putting themselves in this position. I mean, go home. Read a book. do any, Go home and play 2K. Play yourself on 2K. You know what I would do if I could go home every day and play myself that I didn't have to create on 2K? That would be incredible. I would do nothing else. I would just go play 2K all day long if I was all in the game. I mean you've got all this money. You've got you could you could do anything you
0: wanted, man. Go
4: to a club, just hang out, do whatever, go to Paris for the night. Do whatever you want to do. You've got tons of money. Your role model just do better. That's the only thing I can say.
0: Unlike there was the situation, you know, like we mentioned with a seventeen year old at his house, you know, getting in a fight there. There was the incident where we had the lasers pointing after the Pacers game. Then there was the incident Wolf at Chase. Finish Line and at Wolf, Wolf Chase. Chase Mall. Yep. And, you know, Davis, you made a really good point about this. And, John, you'll agree, you've got every plug in the world. You can get any kind of shoe that you want.
2: Why is your mother at Finish Line at Wolf Chase risking her <laughs> life to get shoes? And another point, to go off Jake's point, you've been involved so far in three different uh, allegedly gun related incidents. And then you go on Instagram Live at five in the morning on Saturday and flash a gun. That erases any any kind of doubt that you had, like any benefit of the doubt that you had before is gone now.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How many instances does it take to learn a lesson? That's the biggest problem of the whole thing. It's 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 you know fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you know. So I mean, how many times is he going to have to do something like this before, you know, like you were highlighting, Davis, before the organization takes it seriously? You know, I mean, I, I get it. He's a he's an absolutely freak athlete. I've loved watching the kid play since he was in college, but. At some point, you
1: got to realize that he's damaging the brand,
4: you know, by doing this stuff. So, I mean, it, it's going to come down to it. he's going to lose a lot of money over all this if he's not careful.
1: You got to get, a, you have to get a grip on the reality, man.
0: And he just got his own shoe.
1: I mean, get a grip. Yeah. I mean, understand what you're doing.
2: Everyone in the city knows where you live, buddy. You live in a massive house, probably two. He has two different five thousand square foot houses. Like, you're not thug, man. You know, there's yeah, no want, need for it. You made it. You want there's to make no a point, man.
4: Like, if you want to make a difference, there are people starving in that city. There are people freezing, freezing every night in that city. If you want to make a difference? Spend some of that wealth on on something other than a piece. You know, like go out and, and feed somebody, put some clothes on somebody. back. Oh,
1: so Z- Z- yeah. Zebo,
2: Mike, Mark, Tony, they all did that. They all
1: helped out the city. Yep, every year.
0: Oh, Mike Miller is very well loved.
1: Yeah, Mike. Mike did the same thing. I mean. Those guys are part of the good and grind news. They, they gave back the city, and we love them for that.
4: You would think after the first instance he would be doing that for some for some positive PR at the least, right? Not even if it was out of the goodness of his heart, but that's what I like to see in, in, a, in a very high-profile athlete. I like to see him giving back to the community. I like to see him setting a good example, and you just don't see that as much anymore as you used to. You know, back in the 90s, I realized on the court, you know, these guys were big, bad, scary, you know, knock your brains out. Off the court, a lot of them were friends with each other. But even then, the big, bad, scary guys were still, you know, respectable. You could look up to them. You didn't have to worry about them swinging dope or or doing this or that. off. You know, and I'm not accusing anybody that I'm just saying. That's one example. But, you know, guns, anything like this, going to the club, they were usually, you know, at home. Shaq. Yeah, exactly. Shaq is a great example. He is a perfect example, and he is a fine human being. It seems like every day you hear about him doing something just – and not even small, something massive. Like he'll buy an entire town shoe or
2: something.
4: Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy is just – he's a great example of what what a role model is supposed to be. And anybody that looks up to Shaq is looking up to somebody positive.
0: Well, the thing is, it's like we see Shaq do a lot of this stuff. Then there's a lot of other stuff that we don't see that we find out about years later. It's like, oh, well, Shaq came and saw my son or my daughter in the hospital – and they didn't believe that it was Shaq until he shows up, well, then no one believes them unless you actually saw him walk into the hospital, walk into that room, and then walk out. Did you know how many kids
4: he's put through college? A lot. A lot. It's, it's outrageous. I mean, kids are just – I mean, a parent will write him a letter, and he'll be like, sure, yeah, I'll put them out right through college. Oh, they're going to medical school? Yeah, no big deal. Sure. Oh, they're going to take the bar? Sure, here you go. I mean, he's just like the nicest guy of all time. I mean, and he could just as easily turn his cheek and be like, I've got too much other stuff going on, but – He's always there, man. He's a great guy. I love Shaq. I'll always stand
0: for Shaq. Always. Oh, and the investments he's made throughout his life, man.
1: Quick, quick point yeah. here. What, like, so people will say that Ja Jaw's the new face of the league, which I, I don't believe. New generation, is. yeah.
2: Like John Dunn's kid, like young yeah. kids, young
1: kids. Yeah. Young kids. yeah. A- ask yourself, what face of the NBA, even back until like back in Allen Iverson days, when he actually he actually came from that. What what face in the NBA ever had something like this happen to him?
0: Allen Iverson. Which I mean, that was you before would, he even got there.
4: Yeah, you would hear of instances that happened in their past, and if they did have a you know a slip up or something, they maybe got caught with a you know a, a pistol on them. not in use, not flashing or anything. Just somebody saw it or something like that. It would always be like, hey, and it, you'd never hear from it. You'd never hear anything about it again. Exactly. It would just be nothing but positive. They would be doing everything they could to be like, hey, look, this was a one-time thing. This is what we're doing now, and they would go do something positive to make up for that. But it's like, like I said earlier, man, you just don't see that anymore. You just don't.
2: And real quick, uh, I know you got to go in a few minutes, but I mean, if you look at any other star in the NBA Jason Tatum, Luka, KD, LeBron, Giannis. Giannis, Zion, whoever you want to look at none of this, none of this happens with them. Absolutely none of it. And Giannis is great, man. I love that guy. Yeah, I love Giannis too, but I, it's just like, you know, this This isn't just a one-time thing. This has happened multiple, multiple, multiple times, and yet we have people in the media, especially in Memphis, that their solution is uh, just we got to give him a hug and tell them how much we love them. There's no
1: accountability for his actions. Wrap your arms around them. Men- no, no. Do you know no. how easy
4: it is to vilify somebody from Memphis for something like that?
1: Yes. It's
4: low-hanging fruit, and he doesn't make it any easier on the city, on the organization, or on himself, by, like I said, perpetuating this. I mean... Everybody thinks of Memphis and thinks, oh, you know, gun violence, crime, you know, this, that, the third. And this doesn't help that type of thing, you know. I mean, its I hate it for the state of Tennessee, man. I love Tennessee with all my heart. and I
0: hate that Memphis is viewed that way. It is. It it just sucks. Let's call it DeMar
2: DeRozan, real actual crip. Never been in a situation like this before.
0: That's, wow. Did not know that. There it is. <laughs>
2: He he said so himself. I'm not making this up.
4: Yeah. I did not know that at all. hmm. And
2: he plays That's for wild. the
4: Bulls.
0: Yep.
2: Yep.
4: Imagine somebody from back in the day. Imagine, like, Scotty Pippen came out and he was like, yeah, I roll with the Bulls or whatever. You know? No way, dude. Not not back no. then. You wouldn't
0: have heard that stuff back then. DeMar Derozan of all people. He, his, he's
2: born into it. His family or yeah, dad was yeah. like Crip or something. He's born into it, but he mm-hmm. never, right. like, got into it. He's, he's from Compton, but he was protected because he was the. Token to get out, just like.
4: And you know that's a great point that you're making too, because then, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of these guys from back in the day, the AI generation of guys, would talk about how they came from that and how there was something beyond that. They would preach that message: "Hey, there's something beyond this the street life. There's something beyond the, the gang life." Uh, and that is something you don't hear much. In. I mean, you hear it some, but you don't hear it near as much as you used to. Charles Barkley
1: preach. preaches that.
4: Yeah, and I love it. You know, it's, it's this old heads that you'll hear talking about it too. This new generation. It's something about the culture, man. It's there's really something about culture these days, and I don't want to say it starts with music, but a lot of it comes from that. And uh, I mean, it just—I'm not a big fan of it myself, but you know, it's
0: neither here nor there. So, good stuff, John. Tell us where to find you,
4: guys. As always, you can find all of our stuff on Facebook. The easiest way you can just search up All Ball Calling Show in your search bar. You can find everything on allballcallinshow.com. and you can find me on Twitter at jxhndunn. Smash all together, one word, guys. Pleasure joining you all, talking about a little bit of everything. Really hoping Tennessee has a really good run in the SEC tournament and uses that momentum on into March. Might get lucky. Might uh, might have an upset like Big Mercer and make it into the Sweet 16, and you never know, maybe maybe take another step.
0: Absolutely, John. We'll talk again soon, brother. Appreciate it, boys. Y'all have a good evening. John Dunn to the All of All Call and Show and All of All Podcast, making his presence felt on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, just like everybody else does. Stay with us. Final segment of the program and more of your phone calls coming up. Final segment of the program as Davis burps into the microphone by accident. It's Jake Miller. It's Davis. Somebody burped.
1: I didn't,
0: uh, My mic wasn't near me, so it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Somebody burped. Sure. <laughs> Somebody burped. Matthew behind the board and you. Let's go back to the big orange Phillies phone lines. Martin is next. What do you say, Martin?
5: What do you say, Jake? tonight.
0: Not a lot.
5: Do you think Justin Ganey will try to get involved with that
0: high-point coaching job? I think he's next in line to take up one of those jobs. I mean, we saw it with Schwartz last year. Uh, We've seen Kim English take a job. Uh, Justin Ganey's next in line, and Justin Ganey, of course, uh, frequent guest of the drive during basketball season. Um, Guy's a good dude. Hmm. He's got great character, and... Seems to really enjoy what he does.
2: Seems like uh, every associate head coach for Rick Barnes just immediately gets a head,
0: head coaching job, a mid-major. What
5: does uh, what, what high point, a job like High Point pays out.
0: I'd say it pays anywhere between a half of a million to 750000 Probably.
5: If it pays that much, he'd go.
0: I would. I mean, if I, if I got that opportunity, I would take it. And if Justin Ganey were sitting in this room right now, I'd say, you take that job. This is your chance. Because guess what? If you go up See, there and Tubby you succeed. Tubby Smith
5: had it and he left was retired. What's that? Uh, Tubby Smith had that job. Yep. yep, he did. He sure enough did. He thought enough of it to go home.
0: That he did. Uh, Tubby Smith, former Kentucky coach and Memphis Tigers coach, who got run out the door because Penny wanted the job, essentially.
5: Yep. And Jake? Martin. What about my lady boss? They finally got ranked number 23 in the country, and they finally beat the top five team, and and they showed good in the SEC tournament. But you remember I told you that, that they had to uh, finish ranked in the country and go to the Sweet 16? Yep. It looks like they're on their way.
0: It's looking that way. I mean, that was a great showing. You know, down. I think we were down, what, 17 Seventeen yeah. to LSU, and we come back in one and then the infamous picture just grabbing her face in it disbelief.
5: Job. It might have saved Kelly's job for two years or three.
0: It might have saved her job. Um, you know, I just hope they have a good showing. and An Elite Eight would be nice. It'd just yeah, be it nice to see lady, the Lady balls get back to what they were. I know they'll never be what they were when Pat was here. I think we all agree with that. But yes. it would be nice to see a little bit of success. Let's make an Elite Eight run. Let's make a Final Four run. You know, get us to where we're respectable again.
5: Yes. And Tamari Key's coming back next year.
0: That's good news. Yeah, I just saw that.
5: I'm happy for that girl. She went through a lot with those blood clots.
0: That she did. And, uh, you know, it's it's just weird, you know, seeing a lot of these athletes, seeing – some of the stuff that they're battling off the court, and it's like, you know, we didn't we didn't see this when I was growing up, which granted, we weren't really testing for any of it. I mean, I played basketball with a guy from the time we were in third grade all the way up until high school, and then find out in, um, I guess it would have been our junior year of high school, found out he had a heart murmur. And I was like, well, they didn't catch that for like the past however many years? No, they sure, sure didn't
5: traced Trey Smith, what he had to go
0: through. Oh, yeah, the blood clots and everything, and everyone thought he wouldn't get drafted and ended up dropping to the sixth round when he really should have been a first-round pick, and now he's got a Super Bowl.
5: Yes. Well, I'd like to see Justin Ganey get that high-point job.
0: I'd be really happy for him if he did. Uh, that would be um, that'd be really good for him. He's earned it.
5: He's from North Carolina. Fields has said on old uh, Russell.
0: Yeah, he... Where did he play ball? I think he played at NC State. NC State. State. Yeah. He was their point guard. I mean, if you get that job, I think you got to take it. Would you agree, Davis? Yeah, I would.
5: What conference is that in?
0: What are they? They're not in the Big South. Are they SOCON? They might be in the Big South.
2: High point.
0: It's like you got all the North Carolina schools, UNC Asheville, UNC Wilmington, UNC Greensboro. And they're all in different conferences. It's like, why not just put them all in one? It is Big South. It is the Big South.
5: Yes. I appreciate you, boys. I just want to talk a little bit about Tamari Key and Justin Ganey.
0: Absolutely, Martin. You know you can call us anytime.
5: I appreciate you, boys.
0: We appreciate you, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Martin, want to talk some lady balls. Want to talk about Justin Ganey. That would be an interesting spot for him.
2: You know, now I think about it, I don't know. Do you think you maybe get something better than that? Maybe wait, wait, see what comes more available by the end of the year. I mean, High Point is—let's be real here, man. It's not a great job.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a great job. I'd say you can it's not like fine. taking
0: Mike Schwartz. He ended up at ECU. ECU, ECO. is
2: a better job than High yeah. Point. I mean, even Old Miss, George Mason's a better job than High Point.
0: Where's uh, Kim English now? George Mason. George Mason, yeah. So who uh, took the job at SMU?
2: That was a different guy.
1: Yeah. I Ooh, who was the SMU head coach?
0: Because pretty sure, like.
1: I
2: don't think it's a Barnes guy.
0: I thought he was. Because they went to Georgia State or Georgia Southern. Oh, it is
2: Lanier. Lanier. Rob Lanier.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: But he first went to Georgia State, right?
0: Went to Georgia State and then took the job at SMU. Uh, But he wishes he might have stayed at Georgia State.
2: SMU's a good job. I would have taken that, but they're not very good this year. Mm -mm. They lost their best player to the transfer portal.
0: If you're a head coach in college basketball and you find a small school and you can just make it work year in and year out, you know you've got job security, or you take that risk to go to like an Ole Miss or Texas Tech, a Marquette.
2: Wait, so you said a a head coach that's had success in the mid-majors but takes that big step.
0: No, like small schools, like small, small uh, schools. So like a, a ETS, UNC,
2: ETSU. Yes. And you get a job at a – I don't think you get a big job, like Ole Miss. Yeah, that's yep. not a big job to me. Ole Miss.
0: Do you run the risk of a rebuild for more money over the short term or do you keep yeah. what you got for the long run? No,
2: I would do it because then even if you do fail, say you fail, you still get a huge buyout. Yep. And you can get and another job still, at a small school. Yeah, you school. can still get a, go back to the small major or small level. And even if you don't get a some job at a – Small school, you'd probably get an assistant job at a pretty good school like Mm -hmm. in Tennessee. I'm taking that.
0: Well, it's like Kermit Davis. You know, going from MTSU in his last year, I think he went thirty-one and six, and then takes the job at Ole Miss. Obviously, Kermit Davis has been fired from there. They're interviewing guys, uh, Chris Beard. I think that was just a smokescreen. To be honest with you, I don't think they're going to hire him. I don't. I would hire him. I I would. I would. But Ole
2: Miss, uh, they have nothing to lose. They're Scum as it is.
0: Uh, so I mean I can see Ole Miss hiring him. I don't know
2: why he would take that job though. That's a terrible job. It's the worst in the SEC by far. I think it's
0: the worst historically too. They've only made the NCAA tournament nine times in their entire oh, history. I thought it was
2: six. Oh yeah, we'll go nine. Either nice.
1: way,
0: either way less than double digits, so it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think their winning percentage all time is like forty nine percent.
2: It really is a t- I
0: mean out of that's a terrible job.
2: I yeah, uh, Missouri is a better basketball job. Sky already has a turnaround in year one. They have a better history. Kentucky obviously. South Carolina has made a Final Four in the yep. past five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia's a better job. I'm thinking of all the lower tier SEC teams. Uh, yeah, it's about it's about a thing of. It's about it. Yeah. A and M was bad, but I mean, Vanderbilt. obviously, better job. Yeah. You can win at Vanderbilt.
0: Mm-hmm. You can win at Vanderbilt. That's been proven. Multiple times,
2: Kevin Stallings.
0: hmm. Uh, I mean Jerry. They're probably about to backdoor their way into the
2: tournament somehow. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Ole Miss is, I, I like Kermit. I think he would be good on TV or maybe as an assistant somewhere or maybe he goes back to MTSU. But
0: he's very well loved in Murfreesboro. Yeah, very well you loved. think they would just?
1: Would you? Do you think MTSU would just fire their head coach right now and take Kermit back?
0: No.
2: They don't roll like that, not very aggressive.
0: No, they're um, – it's funny because uh, Dave Blackburn, the guy that we wanted as an athletic director for a long time, he's actually – Theirs? I think he's their athletic director. He was either their associate athletic director. But, I mean, thing is you have to have a reason to get rid of somebody at MTSU. Yeah. Like, they've had every reason to get rid of Rick Stock still as their football coach, and they don't. And that was – I mean – I forgot y'all had football. <laughs> it's actually one of the nicer small school stadiums. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, pretty big. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember forgot. looking
2: at it from uh, when we had track
1: state there. It's um. I just forgot about it, honestly. What conference are they in. It's a USA. Conference right? USA,
0: they were Sunbelt, and now the Conference USA is a wasteland, essentially. Yeah, yeah it's, it's no dead one league. Yeah. Like you had guys jumping from Conference USA back down to the Sunbelt.
1: Sunbelt's better conference.
0: Mm-hmm. Old MTSU, Johnny Red, Floyd Stadium.
2: Blue Raiders, yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of uh, FAU Stadium down in Boca, same layout. That's a pretty – the crowd is pathetic, but
0: – The crowd was always pathetic. I don't <laughs> think there was ever a more than 50% attended game. Oh, no, there's the plenty time, time of uh, there.
2: empty seats around here.
1: So they have
0: a sellout doing your time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man just a weird school <laughs> they have
2: a picture it says reminder blue raider athletics will be back at 100 full capacities for the 21 season they still couldn't even find a picture of a sellout it's just a little spots in the back
0: Old johnny red floyd stadium <sighs> that's gonna do it for us thank you davis thank you thank you matthew thank you something else coming up next you're on wkgn tune in tomorrow for three and out i think right here on fan run radio